Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Who? Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network for professionals. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water. Do you believe we have a great show for you guys today? Jamel Atkins, who is in HBO's Winning Time, joins the boys. So buckle up, tuck it into your waistband, because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Hit your free throws, because they're free. Sewed 400-something. Coming hot at you guys, and sewed 400-something. And I am joined on this one by Alex Tossing the Rock Disopolis, Nikki Snacks Kreider, and Jamel Atkins, actor, who's in HBO's Winning Time. He plays Jamal Wilkes Silk. It's an awesome interview. I We say that all the time, but this is one of my favorite interviews we've done in a long time. And Jamel is awesome. You guys will be enlightened, have fun. It's, it is really just awesome stuff. Can't say it enough. Before we get into the show, we got to remind you guys that we are brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. What do you want to bet on? You want to bet on the Final Four? They got it. You want to bet on the Natty? Come next week, they'll have that too. You want it? They even threw out lines for Will Smith and Chris Rock. That fight happens. I will retire from everything. I'll just become a shepherd. That would hit a point of ridiculous, too far for me to come back from. But they even threw out lines for that. Go to betonline.ag. Use the promo code Believe B L E A V. Get welcome bonus over there at betonline.ag. With the promo code believe. Get a welcome bonus and bet on things. Who doesn't want to do that? Win money. Get paid. Without further ado, enjoy this awesome interview with actor Jamel Atkins. We hit on it in our intro. It's HBO just doesn't miss. I really think that that's what it comes down to. Like except for like the last season of Game of Thrones, but <laughs> not their fault. Not their fault. Winning time, the Laker Dynasty show has been nothing short of incredible. And we've one of the actors. Uh, who plays Jamal Silk Wilkes on the show. Jamil Atkins joining the boys today. Jamil, how are you doing, man? How does it feel to watch it back? Are you enjoying it as much as we are? Uh, thank you guys for having me, first and foremost. Um, it's uh, it's exciting, nerve-wracking. You know, you want it to be well-received. You want people to understand that we did it out of... Uh, it's not a, a smut project. It's not something to deteriorate the Lakers' legacy. So... You're you're hoping for that on the on the back end when you're watching and hoping that gets communicated. So it's been nothing short of the the reception to the show has been really, really, really strong. You know, you know, the consensus has been pretty consistent. So it feels great to be able to enjoy it and kind of let a little bit of that go. Mm -hmm. But talk to us maybe then about there's so many interesting dynamics within the quote unquote locker room of the mm -hmm. team. Like, you know, a lot of you guys are up and comers in the acting world. Uh, Devon plays his, plays his dad, which is yeah. how many, I don't think many people realize that, but that's Norm Nixon's son yeah. playing yeah. Norm Nixon, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's like maybe some of the side, cause you bring up like it gets nerve wracking because it's the Lakers. It's not like right. it's, it's not the Timberwolves, you know, it's right. not like uh, we're talking about the Timber. This is a Latrell Spreewell story, which is fun. Yeah. So like, you know, it's like a three episode type thing. This yeah. is the ultimate basketball dynasty outside my Celtics, even though I'm rocking a Lakers hat. And are you, by the way, you're from mass. Are you a Celtics fan? No, I actually grew up. It's a funny story. My father, my stepfather was always a notorious, like anything that was Boston. He hated. 
So okay. I grew up rooting for the Jets. I mean, the Giants and the Yankees. And, you know, I was on the other side of the spectrum. Oh, nice. Well, I'm glad you kept the Knicks out of there because they <laughs> yeah. stink yeah. on ice. Um, I can defend them. So maybe what's like the locker room like, you know, before the show is released and while it's going on, because Magic is and Kareem, these are larger than these are not just basketball players. These are legends. Stars, legends in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because, you know, just like coming from a sports background is I, I'm one uh, one of you guys played at UT, right? Was Nick. That was, that was Nick. Me, yep. Yeah. And, you know, you, when you have these and I'm sure everybody else here has played sports at all different levels, but it's when you're when you you see the crossover from when you're around those guys all the time because we have so many scenes together as this progresses where it becomes more and more and more without giving anything away about the team and the the dynamics that mimic real life always end up mimicking that too even though it's a show and it's curated in terms of you know you you're watching people's personalities you're watching them switch into characters you're watching how they handle different things you you naturally gravitate to one you naturally gravitate gravitate away from another one. You know, it's it's very it and but all of that ends up being a, a true camaraderie. And you know, working with all those guys, Devon, um, Solomon, Quincy, um, Delante, who plays Michael Cooper, you you just start to be like, wow, all this blood, sweat, and tears does actually formulate a bond that you can really like get behind and, and feel comfortable when you're in that space. Yeah, what for sure. What was it like, you know, for you guys, you're just talking about the team, you know, Quincy and Solomon, this is, this is their first big acting job. Yeah. Right. And, and you have David makes man, uh, a show that was on own, mm-hmm. which, which was awesome. So you had some of that experience and, and of course, Devon ha- has a lot of experience. What mm-hmm. was that like being with all those different guys with varying experiences and just, was there a lot of learning? Was there a lot of you teaching some? Like, how, what did that look like? I, w- I wouldn't say, you know, when you're on a when you're on such a prestigious network and you have the best of the best around you at all times, you know, it's you know, if somebody did ask me something, I offered what I what I accumulated. You know, I started this journey in 2016, and you know, the actor's journey is not always one that you, you seem to put in a lot more time into it than you get to reap the benefits of, at least at the beginning. So, you know, when when I was asked if there was something I could offer, I could for sure. But when you're when you have so you have Max Borenstein, when you have Adam McKay, when you have these directors, when you have Jason Clark, when you have John C. Riley, sometimes it's just sometimes with acting, you learn just by literally sitting down, paying attention and focusing to others. And it starts to really rub off. So, you know, you try to offer whatever you can. But, you know, it's also luckily on this show, you had so many heavy hitters that you know, you kind of just to just enjoy and learn from them as well. Yeah. Um, and there's so many parallels I feel like in the sports world as well, because you look at a training camp like in the NFL or even the NBA and all of the rookies got to take notes from the vets. Right. And they've got to lend a, lend a hand there to, to teach them the lessons. And I mean, it's just, it's funny that this is a Lakers show and it's pretty much the same kind of parallels there when you're talking about these legends, but I'm just curious. I mean, there's a lot of athletes that have turned actors that we've come across some, some on our show, some just in the world of living in LA. Yeah. And uh, how do you think that's prepared you um, to be an actor uh, being you know, an athlete first? You know, what's funny is um, it got to the point where when I started the acting journey, I was so my, my football, my story with football at USF was a little bit tumultuous. <laughs> it was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't the, you know, it was, it was, I went to a Juco beforehand. I went to a, a, a division one double a before then i ended up at a division one program and you grind 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 through you know in your 
hoping for a scholarship. You know, I was a preferred walk on at the time, which I didn't know meant you're not going to get a scholarship. You find that out after you go through, you know, a couple semesters. But the one thing that I will take away is it, it, it took me a long time to understand the parallels. But what I didn't understand about sports at the time, bar- barring injuries, of course, was that the work ethic that's required to become the best in the field is extremely similar in acting. It's just more mental and it's more mental reps of, you know, I have to read this book. I have to work on emotions, vulnerabilities. I have to work on being in touch with myself. I have to work on connecting with myself in a different way. And if you can see, and and as you know, there's guys that don't get drafted that end up becoming sensational. You know, it's like, it's just the amount of the list of people that we could go through right now that were walk-ons that are in, you know, the NFL or G League players that are now dominant in the NBA or have roles that are substantial is like really, really noticeable. But the thing that you notice about that is you don't get there unless you're consistent and being able to understand. So it's just in breaking that down into into little steps, right? You know, when I played football, it was, I have to get faster. I have to get stronger. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you show up every day and you put that work in. And then you start to see the results three, four months later. The acting side of it, I think, is obviously you have to have a natural something, you know, natural artistic inclination to that. Right. But I think it's it's so similar in the way that you can literally for it's a skill and you can literally if you continue to do the work, it's just, you know, especially in just American culture that new mental side of things is not really discussed as much, but you find that out in the acting, you know, it's like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. It, like, you're like, oh, I have to sit down with myself. I have to really, you know, <laughs> I have to really work through this day in and day out. So it's very similar to that. You could curse, by the way. Don't. Great, oh, answer, great answer, but you can let you know you curse. This is perfect. HBO After Dark. Uh, this, <laughs> the old skin of the old, <laughs> the old Max podcast. Um, yeah, Josh is rocking no undershirt. Yeah, well, I'm, I look, I'm trying to go Dr. Bus here. I was trying to I fit, I was trying to fit the theme The, I mean, it's a great point about the muscle memory. It's like a, it is a muscle that you bring up because I, I did a lot of improv when I came out to Los Angeles mm-hmm. and being funny off the cuff, which is what you perceive it as right. is just not it's not enough. Yeah, they sat me down. They told me that. Right. Go being cool and you know, and just kind of little jabs, you're not going to get anywhere with that. You'll get somewhere, you'll not get where you want to be. And you actually have to learn the skill and learn the muscle. And then that having that knowledge opens it up. Like, Mm -hmm. look, we were talking about it before we got on air. There's a height requirement to be in the show. Like, you know, Quincy can't be five, six and rolling out as six, nine, you know, Irvin, Irvin Johns. I mean, he doesn't have to be six, nine, but he's got to have some height to him. So there's stuff that'll get you in the door. Right. But he, he, you get your guys are now the only six foot four guys auditioning for this part. Exactly. You yeah. know, so you have to like stuff will help you get there, but there is that level of, you know, professionalism, but also understanding. Like, I, I love how you bring up like being in touch with your emotions and being constantly checking in with yourself because people think acting or performance is very ca- just charismatic driven, which it can help. It helps. But like, yeah. And, lots and, of it. and to your point, you know, it also depends on what your goals are. You know, uh, you know, you have guys that, look up to LeBron James and, and, and want to gravitate as much. Obviously he's a, he's the exception and he's my favorite play, player of all time. So I'm going to be biased, but there's nobody that there's, there's very few people that are going to be able to get to the LeBron James level of success of basketball. And then some people settle for less, just like there's not that many people. And hopefully I'll be able to sit on the other side of this, but you know, 
But when you guys had Matthew McConaughey on or, you know, when you think about Leonardo DiCaprio, it's like these guys are the top of the top of the top of the top. Mm-hmm. And in order to get to that level, the the amount of work is the same that athletes have to do that are trying to get to the level of a Michael or a LeBron, you know, so and I think that also just another parallel that comes to mind is that there's an honesty um, that I love about sports, as you guys know, when you're in the team and you got your coach and he's cussing you out and, you know, you sometimes you need like it's it's interesting, you know, you have to be sensitive to things, of course. But, you know, I think that honesty that it takes when you have a team environment and when somebody tells you that you stink, you know, is very, very helpful, <laughs> you oh, know, it, it, you know, 100 percent, you know, so it's like, you know, you get my point. I feel like with acting, sometimes you don't get enough of that criticism sometimes, like in an audition process, where if you feel like you smoked an audition, you didn't get it. The casting directors aren't going to give you notes unless, you know, you're like up for consideration or if like, you know, you're one of the top people. Um, right. You could submit a tape and, you know, never hear anything. Yes. So on the flip side in sports, if you mess up in a play, your coach is going to is going to dog you. Right. Or your teammates yeah. are going to say something to you. I feel like with acting, like you got to have to hold yourself accountable. You got to figure out your own flaws and, and try to correct them. And of course, there are communities that you can join acting classes. You know, you can work with other actors, but I feel like it's kind of a lonely place sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, uh, my journey with that is I, I kind of separated. I was very, you know, I came I, I spent some time in Tampa when I started. and I went to a small school out there. Um, she's no longer doing it. Kathleen Laughlin was her name. And then I came out to L.A. and I didn't know who to study with. And I didn't want to sit through the bullshit of. You know, there's a million acting studios and I didn't want, you know, with all due respect to all trainers, I didn't want to get coached by somebody that doesn't end up coaching people that ended up really doing impactful work. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you wouldn't go to a, a, a trainer, you know, that whether it's sports or not, that doesn't produce any athletes that end up making it, it just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, it's like that, you know, you, you want to find people and build a craft or build a system in place where you can find constructive criticism and you know you get that sports is a little bit more harsh but if you come from that background you know i i'll, I'll be the type at the beginning i used to do i've been out here since 2019 after david makes man it was my first opportunity and i i think i've done over 250 auditions since then and mm-hmm. you know sometimes i'm competing with like you know other great actors winston duke and michael b jordan and you don't know that on this side and they're not going to tell you so you can only control so much right so it's like sometimes you just got to sit down with yourself and be like okay the only way i'm going to make it just very similar in sports is i have to find ways to continue to get better and better and better and that's just through that long process well you talked about you talked about the audition process how many auditions you've had since getting out to la um and i think that you know, that's the perspective of a lot of actors who are, who are consistently auditioning is people are like, Oh, you, you were on this and this and this. And what, what the general public doesn't understand is there was 500, a thousand auditions in between that. Right. Yeah. What was it? What, what was your feeling when you auditioned for winning time? What, what was that, you know, a little inside baseball here Were you, Oh, were I you got feeling really good about story. it. Yeah. Were you feeling bad about it? Like, how did that happen? It's a great story. So I hope they don't get mad at me for sharing it, but so I originally, um, and, and this is a, this is kind of so similar to, and it's great if anybody else that's an actor hears this, of course, but so I auditioned for winning time in 2019 and I, I had originally auditioned for magic. And what was interesting was, you know, as an actor, sometimes you get roles and you're like, 
I'm not going to fucking book magic. I don't look nothing like him. I'm not the same skin color. I don't, you know, it's just not going to work. Right. But you do it anyways, you know, yeah. and then that audition birthed the Jamal Wilkes audition. And of course now, you know, as an actor, you, you really have to try not to be bitter about things. Right. So I, um, I re-auditioned, I went in there begrudgingly a little bit, but I said, you know, I'm just going to try to focus and match his mannerisms, his voice, his softness, his ability to be able to be confident without coming off as weak. And, um, and then I guess a week later, my manager calls me back and he says, Hey, Adam McKay looked at 150 Jamal Wilkes. And he said that you're the guy, you know? So that was, that was the first, that was the first step. Then obviously, <laughs> so then, you know, this and is then a, your mind flips, you know, like, yeah, I think I'll, I'll give home another shot. Like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Jules. <laughs> and um, so anyways, the story continues, you know, we're training I, the first time around. I had six weeks before we prepared. And, you know, I, I you know, my whole thing is I want to come in and shock people. I want to be completely dedicated. I lost 20 pounds in six weeks. And then, of course, my uh, because of the situation, my scene ended up getting cut from the pilot. So I had to wait until it got announced that it was getting picked up to then um, <laughs> to then find out if I was keeping it. So I'm, I'm keeping in shape. Da, 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 da. I'm playing basketball. I'm trying to keep my weight down. January 2nd of 2020, I tear my entire Achilles playing basketball. Right. Un it's, it's crazy. And as you guys know, it's one of the most devastating injuries in sports that you can have. So the COVID and the pandemic gave me just enough time to get to the point where I could run and walk again. Fast forward to March of this of uh, 2021, my manager calls me. They say, hey, they still love you for the role. Da, 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 da. And, um, you know, we're going to discuss the contract or what's the what your role will be next week. I, I now now I, I pick up the phone joyful. Right. And I'm like, all right. And I, you know, I'm like, show me the money. What's going on? And he says, uh, he says, yeah, they want to look at somebody else to play Jamal Wilkes. So I'm, you know, crushed. I'm, you know, devastated. And this is all in the span of like, I don't know if I got the role. I had the role, worked out, got in shape, did all this, tore my Achilles, come back. It's, did it's they know about that. No, I kept it a secret on purpose. And, um, and they know now, obviously, because we, because it was very difficult to do all the stuff after they found out. But yeah, it ended up being a thing where it it it, it was joyful, it was tumultuous, and then I had to come to Jesus thing with myself, where I was just like, I said no to my manager. I said no, fuck that. Let me get tell them I want to re audition for the role. And so this time I went ahead. I did a full prosthetic beard at home, and you know I really tried to nail in the man. I felt like I already had a head start, right? Because I had already studied the guy for a year. Yeah. And then that ended up turning into a, a series regular, you know, very, very exciting. You know, I tried to make sure I showed up every day and, you know, I'm excited for what's to come of the role. But nobody knows, like, even in that, like, that situation is nuts, you know. Right. So that that's is, just how the chips fall. That is absolutely ridiculous. One of the questions we were going to ask you is if um, how much you studied Jamal Wilkes, of course, and like, did you watch old game tape but I'm, I'm sure you did at this point i mean you I mean, had a prosthetic beard yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know i i the hardest thing was as you guys know football mechanics are very different than basketball mechanics yeah so you know you know about the football player that's trying to play basketball i'm trash so, at, at basketball <laughs> it's it's tough it's really tough you know i mean it's taken me a year just to be able to say that i have a decent decent you know game i can hold my own you know, and not be injured anymore. Right. So I spent a lot of time focusing on his mannerisms and physicalities and how he holds himself and 
how he diverts eye contact and, and things of that nature. What, what makes him tick? What's he trying to hide? All these different things. Because we also had a great guy in the name of Adon, uh, Robin, who was, who's trained everybody in the NBA coming up from Steph Curry to LeBron to Carmelo. And he, uh, he was able to really help me understand that there's a smoothness to his game that you, that you can't replicate unless you're constantly, constantly doing reps. So mm-hmm. you can watch all the footage that you want, but then it comes down to the point where even still, you know, whatever happens next, you know, it's going to be the same thing of just making sure you hit that foot when you go up for a layup, that it's the correct foot. It's a correct extension. It's the correct motion. And just repeating that 500 times, you know, and until you let, start to land it. Let me say this for those listening. Wilkes is not just like some guy in the league. He's a yeah. four-time champ. He's an all-star. He was like Bill Walton's number two at UCLA, like yep. ran the gauntlet. Hey, this is like a this is a California basketball. He might be on the California basketball 15, like the roster, or yeah. close. Like he yeah. is like a Cali basketball legend. And like it's funny, like we're gonna ask you, like, you probably know what the guy's laundry smells like. Have you you've met him? No, we haven't. I haven't. Um, I met the only one I've met is I've met Norm. You know, I've met, you know, obviously because of Devon. Um, I haven't made any connections with him. I would love to sit down with him because I have so many more questions, you know. But even to your point, it's it's one of those guys that's like a legend that kind of kind of skated through the radar, you know, because you have somebody like Magic and you have somebody like Kareem and then you have this whole dynasty that's being built while you're and you're in the midst of it. Like you're one of the the key pieces. So I can't, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes I think about it. I'm like, how did he manage his own ego <laughs> being a, literally a legendary basketball player and not getting sometimes the uh, respect of it? Well, they had like the whole scene. One of the things to that point, like one of the whole scenes is they have with Jason, J- Jason Clark, you brought him up is yeah. so good. Nuts. <laughs> it is nuts how dude he's awesome i mean yeah. i don't know like oh, we only awesome. we, we only know old we like know old jerry west like this is such right. like a good insight on like young jerry west and yeah. pat i mean adrian brody also like the fact that he's in the mix is bonkers um yeah. shout out to him because everything he touches is gold for sure the scene with jason clark when they are breaking it down and he goes get me what i need and you're looking at it and going you have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and you have Magic Johnson. What else do you need? And yeah. then you kind of equate it to what we have going on now with the Lakers when before the season, you have Anthony Davis, you have Russell Westbrook, you have LeBron James. What else do you need? Yeah. And but he, yeah. You, need, you need. Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point, it, it's just, it's amazing how you can still, you can have all these dynamic individuals, but if they don't fit, they don't fit. And, you know, imagine, you know, something I was thinking about the other day, imagine if Jamal Wilkes had the personality of a like a, a, of an athlete that wanted more shine. You know, what if 18 points a game for your career isn't enough? You know, what if how did it you know, I think about that, like, how did it feel to, you know, score 37 in the first time that they win the uh, the championship is the first time together um, in the, the in the year that we're playing? and and not and get skated over you know as if 37 points is easy for anybody you know so it's mm-hmm. like it's crazy to your point how much you really have to how much he had to really manage his ego or else these pieces don't gel and then you don't have the showtime lakers you know even for the people that get glossed over it's i mean like this guy if you can get 18 or 19 you can get 20 something 
Easy. So easy. Like right. there's not that much. Once you've passed that 18 points per game threshold, the step up to getting 20, not like 30, you're not going right. to go for 30, but the step to get to 22, 23, he did it. He's, he's averaged 20 plus a game. Yeah. So that's like, it's putting your egos aside a lot of the time. We've seen it time and time again. That's, you know, that's been an issue that people have had. And I mean, I guess like you kind of alluded to it, not to put words in your mouth, but like mm-hmm. you, you auditioned for magic. And I'm assuming that you and you know, there's quite the opposite of beef between you and Quincy, who like now has the role. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not, it's not even when I saw Quincy perform the role too, I was just like, yeah, that fits. You know, one of my biggest things is I try to really be, you know, and it's a credit to the guys that you even have come on the show uh, is I really try to be a person that like tries to view things in a, in a, what makes the most sense, you know? Yeah. Because I'm not going to be like, Oh, you know, this, it's like, there's room. For, and that's the thing too. It's like, you know, in sports you learn without people telling you that, up until a certain point, you really do have to focus on you in order mm-hmm. to make it to the next level. You do end up having to turn that around and understanding that you have to separate yourself. So what's dangerous sometimes is in this craft, you have to do some of that, but you have to do that work when you're not around people, you know, so that way your confidence in your and your abilities are all, you know, set, if you will. You can't show up and, and carry that over. So when I saw Quincy in the role, I'm like, this is dope. Thank God they found somebody that looks like him. You know, even yeah. even me, I'm like, I, I just I feel like him. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, I feel like I look like Jamal, especially as the season progresses. And, and you know, the you know, you get time to really get your physical mold into the character. You know, what, so for me as an as the as the acting purist, if I may, is like I, I'm like, no, I, you guys got to find the right guy. So thank God, you know, I, I'd be like, no, I don't want that pressure of having to pretend, you know, you want that natural uh, gelling, if you will. Couple they, quite, sorry, Nick. No, it's all good. Uh, did they bring you on board as well to do your own beard in the show? Since you, <laughs> no, no, no. What's funny is I, <laughs> I was shocked because I thought that that year they were gonna let me keep the beard, and without my beard, I have much more of a baby face. But I, there was there was one episode, uh, episode four, that they just did that in the throwback footage. I had the beard, so they let, they did it. But you know, I'm clean shaven the whole whole dang way. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, we do have a couple more for you though. They're in the same vein. Uh, the first one we were interested to know, uh, do you have a favorite story, favorite memory from, from the set? Oh yeah, actually. Um, it was the very first day that we put on the uniforms and we had to, we were, it was the same episode four. We had to go shoot the, the throwback footage of the year before. And we put on the uniforms and nobody had seen anybody in any of the Lakers uniforms at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So it's all of us, you know, it's, it's Solomon dressed up as Kareem. It's Devon as, you know, his father. You know, we got the short shorts on. And one of the things that stood out to me was when we walked in, everybody started cheering, like all the cast and crew. Okay. And, and it was like, then it's like there was a moment there. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is way bigger than than it's not just a TV show. This is this means a lot to people on, a, on an emotional, like connective level in terms of what the Lakers mean. That's, so then you start to realize, oh, I have to take this very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> really, that. That's wild. I mean, this this kind of gives me like remember the Titans vibes. I don't know why, because I guess like remember Titans like had Denzel. Like, y'all have John C. Riley, but then all these other guys just are coming like, like Goslings and Remember the Titans. I feel like people right. don't really really like he's just like and he's like yeah. not even like the main guy, he's just like linebacker that gets moved over from you know the right. guy from Scrubs, who I'm named forgetting. Um right. If you don't mind sharing, because I don't want to take away from like a potential personal relationship, but I'm just a little curious. 
maybe like one question you feel like you'd want to ask Jamal, if you could kind of give us some insights there, if, if you have one. Off yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the one thing, I mean, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I would like to know the things that he wasn't good at managing, you know, and, and, and what did that look like? Cause I can only assume from the outside. So it's like, you know, he, he grew up in a very, very stable from what it seems from what I've read. I read his, uh, his biography, um, the one that he published, and it seems like everything was very stable. And he talked about a few instances that made him steer away. Or steer away. There was a gun pulled on him when he was in a when he was in a car with one of his friends. That you know, um, little situations like that. But I, I and I would love to know what were the things that you struggled with that you don't want to necessarily mention that and and what was like like dealing with it because as somebody that's so private, I always wonder what's the outlet like what, what where 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 was the chink you know what I mean in the armor. And where was that that part of your humanity? Because I always feel like that tells a lot of, about a person too. For sure. I mean, you learn a lot about yourself through adversity. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, what did you really? What were the? What was? What was the dark side of you? What does that look like? You know, when on adversity level, I mean, you brought up our interview with McConaughey, and, and one of my favorite parts about it with that one is we talked about his, and people don't know this about McConaughey until they read his book, or he's like spoken about it. He sacrificed a year of acting. Yeah, he's making money, bro, and like. I, we all know it, right? Cash, quiche, whatever you want to call it, dollar, dollar. It's nice, you yeah. know. And yeah, to cast sure. that aside for, to sacrifice what you are today for what you one day will maybe become, was major. So that was a big sacrifice for him to ditch rom com, step away, and wait for that role. Mm-hmm. I know the Achilles thing was major, but was there like another sacrifice you had in your life that you think has led you to this point? I think it's actually the one that I'm going through right now, you know, and and the one that I'm going through right now is, you know, I everybody has a different goal in mind of what they want to do when it comes to whatever they're pursuing. You know, I'm assuming that you you all here want to have the best podcast, the best show, the best branding that you can possibly have it, you know, especially if you guys come from athletic backgrounds. Right. So, well, they they are. Well, I don't want to poo poo anybody. (laughs) Uh, Alex, basketball, Nick. Uh, football. I was beer pong, but Tommy John. So hey, listen, I'm, I love I'm, it. I love I'm, it. I love I'm, it. I'm, but you, but you understand, you know. Yeah, I, of I course, know yeah. One of you, I'm sorry. Was it you that stepped away when you, uh, you were talking about the your father and having to tell him that you were going to start this? Was that you? Uh, kind of. Yeah, that actually was my wow. The, yeah, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I'm telling you, oh man. I was trying to listen. Yeah. No, thank you, brother. Yeah, the, yeah. I I quit the restaurant industry just yes because yeah. i used to work at a restaurant that's why i remembered but yeah. um to answer your question the thing that i'm going through right now is the sacrifices that come with trying to take this to the next level you know and and how you know a lot of actors especially as you know there's a marginalization sometimes or a majority of the time that comes when you're a, a black actor in terms of there's only so many roles there's only so many things there's only so many so there's like a there's a pool of like 20 guys that, yeah, that will continue to be the list that people go to. So to go from this show to being one of those 20 is a really it's it, it's, you know, like I forget which actor said it, but somebody said that there's room for all the Chris's, you know, like, you know, so we won't mention them, but, you know, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, you know, so on and so forth. Right. There's room for multiple versions of this of 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 that, if you will. Right. So one of the things that I'm going through right now is just sacrificing the draw towards distractions in terms of you know, being out on the scene and in hopes of just focusing on the work in terms of what I'm still doing. I'm still pursuing this like I didn't book anything. I'm still pursuing it and working out like I haven't landed anything because, you know, I, from my experience, 
I don't know. And, and that's the thing about an actor, you kind of live in the unknown, right? So for me, it's like, this has taught me you the truths the what you care about, what you pay attention to, what you tell yourself that you don't want to be involved with. It's really when when you start seeing those things via social media and you get invited places and you know you now have access to this, this and this, and now you're trying to prioritize what you're going to give your time and attention to. If I go do this, will this put me closer? That's been a struggle that I didn't quite think I would be rappling, rap, uh, what is it? What I'm looking for? Rappling, wrestling, grappling, with? grappling with. Yeah. Um, I would, I'm not sure. I, I didn't expect myself. I thought that I had the answer. I thought it was just, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So that's the toughest one right now is just staying steadfast and staying hungry to try to break into that. You know, one of those guys. It is. Tough. You, yeah. When you talk about the, there's, there's only so many Chris's, right. Mm-hmm. There's just, is there, are there things that you're doing outside of just acting? Like, do you write at all? Are you trying to kind of create some of those opportunities for yourself um, in, in certain types of ways? Yeah. You know, the thing about, and, and, and the thing about this that I've realized is a lot of this depends on timing. So yes, there's, there's, you know, there's tons of, there's a few projects that I'm, I'm thinking about writing myself, but I, but I, but I notice, or it's just maybe my personal belief that I'd rather become so good at this first that I don't just draw to those things as a way in, you know, I I really want to make sure I nail this first before I explore those avenues because I, you know, I always feel like, you know, it's like that saying, you know, a Jack of all trades is a master of none. So I'm really trying to hammer this first. I don't care if it takes another 10 years. I don't care if it's, if, you know, I'll I'll direct when I'm 40 or maybe I'll write when I'm 40, you know, right now I'm 29. I'm like, how do I maximize every single ounce of being an actor? And if, and if that has parallels, if, if there's an opportunity to direct in a, in a project, that's not just about me putting my name on it to say that I did the thing, then of Mm -hmm. course, you know? Yeah. So I'm open to those, but I'm focused, you know? Would you say that there's other creative outlets though, that can help you maybe you know, in in other aspects, whether that's music or whether that's, um, you know, doing sketch comedy or or anything like that? You know, I think, I think that they're helpful. I think for me though, I really have, you know, I used to do music a little bit, uh, you know, back in, back in the day, it's funny to think about it now. Um, I do think that writing, as you guys mentioned, is, is a, is a good one. Um, but for me right now, I think that those things have a great avenue for, for rounding yourself out. I've been fortunate enough to get time to explore those things earlier with doing music, doing sports. So sometimes what ends up happening is you end up choosing something new as a, as a way to kind of deal with what's happening in between the thing that you want. So I've been trying to really just focus on, on this for sure, you know, wholeheartedly. Yeah. So that definitely very, very interesting because I'm, that's the, it's almost, cause we talked to somebody the other day and they were like, not saying you're doing this, but Mm-hmm. is it a young as a young athlete like you're still a young actor of course like you're young yeah. in your career young actor young guy you know just okay i'm gonna hone in on the acting is similar to a, an athlete being like, i'm just like a high school player i'm just gonna play football i'm not gonna play basketball and baseball so there's always that different no i don't think anyone's right or wrong right. because you can look at someone like Kyler Murray or when he's played like 9 million things and he was great at all of them yeah. or, you know, there's a, there's also that one person who literally has been since seventh grade, throwing the football, throwing the football, throwing the football. And that's it. And you mm-hmm. know what? And like, they, like they pull Odell from playing soccer and like, dude, you're just playing football yeah. and it works, you know? Yeah. So there's no like, two schools of thoughts. So I think that's like another interesting parallel to sports. Well, I think, I think to your point though, 
the the at the football taught me how important it is to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. The early experience in my music, when I used to go by the name of Noble, um, in terms of making rap music. She had a and, name, so you weren't yeah. just like you no, know, no, no, I, bars in the that, no, no, everything <laughs> that I ever tried to do, I really tried to go after it. Okay. But so those experiences, it's not to say because you can become really one dimensional if you just focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. I think that without those experiences, I wouldn't understand what it's like to go through an artist where nobody cares about you for a while, you know, mm-hmm. and and but also know that that's beautiful because it gives you time to work on your on, instead of worrying about going out. You know, it's you, you get a chance to work on the craft because nobody knows who you are, right. you know, and, and with the sports, you get a chance to learn the discipline. So those other creative outlets have definitely 100% played a, a, a huge factor in me being able to achieve this now. Um, it's just, I don't want to make, I want to make sure that I guard myself against thinking, you know what, it's time for me to drop an album and have the best movie of all time written and produced by me. You know, I just, yeah. I, you know, I think that it's just, you know, you can spread yourself a little thin. That is, I got, that is true. I got two really, really quick ones. For sure. Um, one, I know part of, I think your creative expression, and this is coming from being an athlete, I would imagine in something, mm-hmm. you know, that discipline, like having that injury that you had, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of a gym rat, right? Yeah. You like to get in the gym and, and get after it. Did yeah. you ever get the opportunity to, to work out with Michael B. Jordan? No. Um, that is, that is, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I met him, um, cause he was uh, the executive producer of David makes man. Right. Um, and I briefly hinted at it, but I'm hoping so, because I would love one of the things it's so funny. Cause uh, I would love, I would love to like, that's the, it's just an example of a person that I'd love to try to see what it's like to be, you know, to be around all the time. Yeah. I would love to see who, I'd love to see who lasts longer in the gym, you know? Oh, competition. Yeah, healthy sick. competition. Healthy healthy competition. Yeah. If I went to the gym with uh, MBJ, I would literally be sore for a month. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine he works extremely, extremely, extremely fucking hard. I mean, Black Panther, dude, oh. he literally, dude, oh, you're like, oh, that guy could kill somebody. Right. Yeah. His guy's yeah. name was, his character's name was Killmonger. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, the, yeah, yeah, that fits. For that sure. Fits the one. And, then, and then the second one, if you, if you can uh, divulge, who is the best Hooper out of you guys? Like, Real life, all you guys. Oh, who's got the man. best game? Okay, so out of out of all the actors, yeah. yeah, I would I would have to say Solomon. He has a very very unfair height advantage. Um, I think that I I think now that I'm healthy, I hope that we get to run it back, so I can put a little bit of a claim on that uh, one. You know, just a little just a little bit. But I would definitely have to say Solomon. I mean, he's. The fact that he was a Harlem Globetrotter and played in college, you got to give it to him for now. But, you know, we'll see if we if or when we run it back, we'll see if if a fully healthy, you know, Jamel Atkins can can hold his own. Dis- dis- dishonor to the Nixon family over here. No. Oh, no, not even not even. They can all they can they can definitely all ball. It's just Solomon is just, you know, a beast. Yeah, know? I mean, he's so he is so tall. Um, all right. We ask all our guests this. Can be from you playing, watching anything all time. What is your favorite sports memory? Playing, watching anything all time. Ooh, I think it would be. <laughs> okay, so I think the favorite part was when Eli Manning won the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Oh, blow, blow. <laughs> only, only because, only because. I was an avid, avid Peyton Manning fan because the Colts are my other favorite football team that Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, you know, Dwight Freeney days. Dallas Clark. And, and Dallas Clark. And I was like, man, we can never get past this fucking guy. 
So it felt like every time that Brady lost, it felt like it felt like my life was made. So mm-hmm. definitely that catch in the Super Bowl was probably my favorite sports memory I've had. And then also um, just to piggyback off that, the, when the LeBron James won the cam- when they won the championship for the first time in Cleveland, that was special because I was rooting for him for a long time to do that one. Never forget where you are for certain moments. You literally like if there's certain moments in sports, whether you're a fan of the team or not, I stand by this. You literally, I know where I was for Kobe's last game. I know where I was for the LeBron. I literally know where I was sitting, what I was eating, like all that stuff. For moments yeah. like that in sports, if you're a sports fan, it's huge. Jamel, sure. we loved having you on. Before we let you go, we need mm-hmm. you to do a little quick something for us, if you don't mind. Sure. If you can say, this is Jamil Atkins, and you're listening to the Charity Stripe Pitch of Free Throws, because they're free. That'd be great. This is Jamel Atkins. You're listening to, to the Charity Stripe, and you should hit your free throws because they're free. That's right, baby. They're free. They don't cost you nothing. Jamil Atkins, go watch Winning Time unless you're living under a rock. It's unbelievable. I've been sending it to everyone and their mother. Jamil, thank you so much for joining us, brother. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. I told you, amazing. Seriously, couldn't have had a better time with Jamil. Can't wait to continue to watch Winning Time. Look out for him there and enjoy the whole show. And hope you enjoyed our show, of course. Fans out there, drag both feet in bounds, swinging a full count, rip that puck at that putt. Hit your PKs because they free. Hit your free throws. Why? Because they are free. We outshow. We love you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.